Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our inaugural podcast. And I would also like to welcome Clint Meyer as the first guest and the person who is willing to jump into the deep end with me of this conversation. To set the stage a little bit, uh, Clint and I have known each other for a number of years. Our kids grew up together, went to the same elementary school and high school. Uh, so we've had the fortune of uh, running into each other. We are uh, Facebook friends, and I particularly love the way that Clint has a way of looking at an issue or a way that he posts something or an interesting article that has a different take than I perceive other people to have, which is why I invited Clint to come with me today to talk about the title of the podcast, Perception is Reality. And Clint, I don't know if you've ever heard me say this, but um, in my managerial experience and as an executive coach, I like to say perception is reality quite a bit because I believe that people's perceptions form their reality of a situation. And those perceptions, I also believe, are solidified by the way that they have grown up by the way that they've experienced life. And I believe that nobody experiences things in the same way. And there's a cartoon that I like to reference. So it would be you and I standing across from each other. I see the number six, but you see the number nine. We're looking at the same picture on the ground, but we see different things because of our view. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was to talk about how people's perceptions have led to their realities, and that reality has led to, um, I would say, the vast disagreement that we see on our political structure. Uh, we've got a lot of racism. We've got a very tumultuous time, and I think that we're sitting on top of basically a powder keg. And I believe that's all fueled by the anonymity that being online has allowed us, and that people have lost their way when it comes to having a conversation. And all of that, again, to reiterate my point, is all of those things help people perceive information in different ways, and we all have different views of reality. So, Clint, I would classify you as an intense critical thinker because I, my perception of you from the way that we've had conversations over the years and from the way that you post things online is that nothing – is surface value for you. And that's one of the things that I really respect about you is that there's always something more to it. And, and I like to think that I'm that same way. I don't necessarily think that I probably do it to the way that I perceive you do. Um, but that's one of the reasons I wanted you to be first, to help set the stage. What are we talking about? Perception is reality. So if I could ask you, one, welcome. Two, of the rambling that I've just done, does that make any sense to you? How do you feel about that subject? Perception is reality. Is it is perception reality or is reality just reality or is reality 
non-existent. So what I'll say is thanks for inviting me to do this. I, I rather enjoy talking and talking about odd things or, or deeper things. And I guess maybe this, this statement or this idea of this podcast kind of, kind of encompasses in some ways the, the approach I take on looking at things, but also um, the, I, th that statement perception is reality is, is kind of a funny, it's funny that you've, I've never heard you say that. Um, however, probably my wife, my wife has been saying it quite frequently in the last uh, couple years or last year or two, really just to, to drive home some, some personal things in our lives that, that I'm sure will come up as we talk more about this. So, but I will, I will ask a question maybe to you. Sure. Is, is, is the statement perception is reality or perception is one's reality? Which, which of those is, I guess, because I think both of those things, in my opinion, I would say perception is one's reality. I think that reality is what it is, but that's my, my opinion. I think there is a, a reality or there is a truth in, in most things, but I think everyone sees them everyone's reality can be very different shaped by their observational skills, their contextual um, upbringing, the, their, their nature, their nurture, their personality type, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess I'm curious what your opinion is on that. Well, I've never thought of it that way before, but I think that's probably what I'm, trying to say is perception is one's own personal reality. Um, I'm thinking, in my thinking, that those two statements, perception is reality, perception is one's reality, are synonymous. However, I would say that perception is one's reality is really a better way to say what I'm trying to convey. So I'll, it, my, my favorite um, my favorite type of book to read is is definitely science fiction. I mean, I've read a lot of books in my in my life, and there's been periods where I haven't read very much at all. But um, I found that the my favorite type to read is really hard science fiction, and really probably because of how it bends one's uh, bends our perception of how. How hard, how how hard science really impacts our lives, and one of the things, one of the books, and and maybe a lot of people who will read or have read will have uh, will maybe remember this, but it, the book's called Ender's Game, and there's this kid who's really smart, and he's trying to figure out how to do space combat, and they kind of put all of these kids into a room, and there's no gravity, and they said, okay, um, let's do battle, right? And it was more like laser tag kind of a situation not that simplistic, but let's just call it that. And Ender, who was the super smart person, and I might be misremembering because I have a really horrible memory, but in and, the end, he's yeah, like, you're right. Everyone is kind of in this room still can thinking in the context of um, not three-dimensional space, right? Where one end is up and where is north and what does that even matter so his his reality he changed reality for 
his team and his team became more powerful because instead of considering he just rotated everybody against that against the grain and was like okay the enemy is now down and they are at our feet whereas before everybody was kind of just thinking in a in a battle in a normal way so i think that that innovative idea in that book or his his innovative idea in that situation led to a, a, a tactical advantage so i think that when we talk about this idea perception is reality or perception is one's reality i think you can you can really shape the world around you by by changing not only your perception the perception of the people around you relative to somebody you're um, I don't want to say competing against, but sure, let's just say that. So in a business setting, in a, you know, in a competitive setting, like that's the, you know, the, the changing of, of the reality relative to everyone else. I'm sure this is a game theory thing, but I'm, I'm uneducated, um, in general. So, but I'm sure somebody who's a game theorist would say, oh yeah, that's, that's a thing. But, uh, so this idea that, you can change a perception or look at something from a different perspective can have real advantages in life, not just for learning or thinking or any of those sorts of things. Right. So I've found my life. One of the things that I say, and uh, it's, I'm jumping around a little bit, but one of the things I've always said, and I usually say things in a way that, is a little bit crass so i'll just say it the way i normally say it you you know we live in a culture that's very that, that has a lot of uh advantages it's a meritocracy right we live in a meritocracy so for mm -hmm. the most part as a as a person if you are productive you can do one of two things to be uh successful and i'm just using and again we could go back to perception as reality. How do you define success? But in this case, let's define success as, as, a, as a, a good income. You can be successful by being a hard worker or by being a good talker. If you do both of those things, then you basically, you're, you shit gold bricks, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and, I so, and, and I've refined that because, I, you know, that's not the right way to say it in all of the situations, but, and I guess what I'm saying is that in the end, those being a good talker is a way to alter other people's perception of how, of their reality, right? It's mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. outside the box thinking or a, or a different um, angle or perspective. So. That's, Absolutely true. And, and it makes a lot of sense. So going to Ender's Game, that's a great example. And I hadn't thought of that. And I do read a lot of science fiction as well. Watch a lot of science fiction movies um, when I'm allowed control of the TV. Um, <laughs> but that's a, a different discussion. But in Ender's Game, that's a great scene. And I think in the movie, um, the book is better than the movie, which is in most cases, but they did a great job depicting that scene and Ender and his team go through several iterations of that. And then, then the end scene which, scene, which gets him to the next level, is the other two teams that they're fighting, which they've been owning because he's taught his, his team, Ender has taught his team how to view the space around them. Um, like 
you said. People are thinking of it as a two-dimensional space when it's three-dimensional with no gravity. You can't operate the same way. So he teaches his team how to function in that reality. The other two teams, um, I don't know if you remember the scene or in the book, is where they come out early and they're like cheating. And he still yes, wins. Yes, yes, yep. Mm -hmm. And he's able to adjust and he still wins because of, well, like you said, he's Ender, but he's got a different perception of the battlefield than everybody else. Nobody else, the other team leaders haven't adjusted their perception of what's happening. They're still operating at a different level. So I think it's, that's why I also think like looking at this uh, perception is one's reality thing is that people need to look deeper than just surface value. I mean, there's a lot of opposition in the world. Well, why does your, the other person on the other side of the table, why are they thinking the way they're thinking? Um, and what value can you take from that into your own thinking and realize, okay, well, some of what they're saying might make sense. Maybe none of it makes sense, but at least you understand because you're having the conversation. And if you understand their perceptions and their reality, then you can adjust. So again, this is what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here. And um, another thing about Ender's Game, which I don't know if you intended to do or not, but perception is one's reality. At the end of the movie, spoiler alert if you've not watched the movie or read the book for the end, in the end of the book slash movie, Ender thinks he's playing a game. But in reality, he's operating a live fleet against the last opposing members of the hive. They allowed him to perceive he was playing a game for various reasons. Um, which goes into something else I say is if you want to change one's reality, you need to change their perception. And I talk about this when um, I run customer service groups or I help people with their customer service groups. Because one of the things is you put in a trouble ticket anywhere, and if you don't get a response, what's your perception of the situation? Nothing's happening. But in the background, that person you're dealing with at the tech, tech desk, they might be doing nothing. So that might be a fair assumption of what reality is. However, they also might be like a duck. You might see calm and nothing on the, sur on the surface, but underneath they're paddling like crazy. Maybe they're escalating to their boss. Maybe they're trying to get an escalation into a higher level group. Maybe they're, you know, they're doing all of these things, but they're not communicating well back to you. So to change the perception in that situation, to change the customer's reality, the reality is you're doing nothing, you're horrible, but you have to communicate more because then their perception is, okay, look, Clint, I'm really sorry. I haven't made any significant progress in getting your issue resolved, but I've done these things. I will continue to work on your behalf to get said issue resolved. I'm in this with you. If that's the take, I found personally that the client has a much better experience. The issue may not be resolved and they may not be happy, but at least they're not upset as much as they nor they would be if they didn't think you were doing nothing. So it, you, you brought up a, th a couple things in there and I think that the important part 
of this all. And I think that one of the important things I think that really messes everything up or can be used as an advantage, I guess, or whatever is, is the reason behind my wife harping on this topic so much is that this, those specific words, right? Perception is reality is, uh, is the emotions attached to all of the decisions we make. Right. And so in my specific situation, and, and even when you talk about, you know, Ender and at the end of that, right? Why, why did they make him perceive uh, his reality as being a game rather than real, real life? And it was because of his empathy or whatever, but it, it all comes back to emotions and, and how, how emotions can affect that, right? And so we're all not, we are, none of us are robots, of emotion right mm -hmm. so in 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 my case in most situations i can have you know i can kind of remove emotions and kind of look at things critically but it there's a lot of situations where i we all have blind spots and in my case you know blind spots would be maybe in personal interactions and you know uh, you know deep relationships right my wife is a one of those relationships right i've been with her i'm 40 years old but we've been together since i was 16. i've been married for 20 22 years coming up in february so we have a very long history together right so there's and when you have that with somebody you would think they that always gets better and better but and it does in many ways but you also get a lot of uh there's a lot of emotions tied into that so and we, we found ourselves arguing about maybe silly things or, you know, and it was our, and, and she started to say this a lot in this, and it kind of started to diffuse our arguments, right? She's like, you know, it's, we're fighting and because it's so, because we're so different, you have, uh, I'm, I'm perceiving that this is what you're thinking. And I'm like, that's not what I'm thinking. And I'm, like, I'm perceiving this is what you're thinking. And these are all of the, because we know each other so well, we think we, we think we really know each other, but in the end we really don't. So that whole idea just sort of, you know, started to like make us rethink on another level what the other one, what were the other, what was the other one's motivations, right? And right. so when you throw that into it, it you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't be emotional. And I think that's one of the powerful things about what we are and who we are. But when you really want to critically look at something, it's the more you can, I think, the more you can remove your emotions from the, the picture, the better off you'll be. You know, even in that this situation with the Ender's Game, right? The, if If he was capable of being emotionless in that situation and he could have made the right decision but they forced you know they did not want to they did not want to put the 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 weight of those decisions on somebody like that right so they had to trick him right right and and i like that i like the I like, well, first of all, I just want to go on record saying, but I really do like Julie. And I think you two crazy kids are a great couple. Always have. Um, you guys are, you guys are pretty awesome. And I'm not just saying that for everybody to hear just because I want them to hear it, or I'm glad that you came on. I really do. I really do believe that. Um, and I'm glad that she is saying that because that shows 
such a high level of intelligence to be able to take a step back and say, okay, like, this is how I'm seeing the world. Like, again, if I could go back to the six and nine example, like she sees a six and you see a nine, you're like, no, dude, it's a nine. And then the ability for you two to look at each other and you take her by the hand, walk her over and show her like, look, from this angle, it is a nine. And then you walking over with her hand in hand saying, oh, it's a six over here. Oh, and then you have the conversation. And I'm hoping through the course of this podcast and over time, we can cover a lot of those issues and see what maybe people of different points of view are talking about and why and how they've come to their steadfast beliefs. Um, you know, we all have like baggage from childhood. Um, I know that I initially see things through my lenses of my childhood. We all do, right? So um, I try, I've learned over the years not to be so judgy. Um, or as you know, I like to call myself when I realize I'm doing it, I call myself Judgy McJudgerson. I don't know why <laughs> I say that, but, um, or in that term, sure. And, and, you know, anybody who's of Irish descent listening, it's, you know, the Mick thing, just, just, you know, that's not what I mean. Um, <laughs> just, just covering all the politically correct bases. Cause we have to in today's stage, day and age, but that's just something that, uh, that I do. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting to think about. And also one thing to, to point out, which I really want to touch on quickly for future podcasts and just to set the tone is um, I didn't really give you as my inaugural guest a lot of information prior to the podcast, but I did explain to you and I would like to explain to anybody who's willing to give us a listen that the whole point is to have somewhat of a spontaneous and awkward conversation because I, my perception, again, if I go to my perception is that by having little information to go on and forcing people to think on their feet that I'm going to get real answers, real feelings, real a real interaction. And again, it's like with myself too, I'm coming in with incredibly low preparation. Um, I had thought about a few things. I refused. I had a, I was going to write everything down and be organized. And I was like, that's not the point. So I forced myself to not write down any notes or any thoughts. Um, I'm taking notes now because I plan to blog about my thoughts on our conversation. And I would encourage you, Clint, to um, help write that and respond and continue the conversation on the blog post when it goes up and like what your thoughts of this part of the conversation was. Um, so that's really what people can expect is that uh, just a raw conversation. There's going to be awkward points. There might not be. Somebody might be so passionate about a topic. And that's one of the things but again, I wanted you on here because you're a quick on your feet thinker is that I didn't give you a good topic. Like, I mean, if I really talk about it, perception is reality. Could I be more vague? I, I could have got you on and said, Clint, today we're talking about the color green. And, you know, what must be going through your mind is like, okay, well, which shade of green, um, you know, like, are we talking chloroform green? Like what's going, like, I can't even imagine what it would have been like for you to agree to this. Um, with such little information. 
um, would you mind like explaining like what made you say yes and what were you thinking coming into this awkwardness? So I don't, I, I don't know if it's a genetic deficiency or a just a, or maybe a, um, I'm just lucky in the lottery of, of DNA, but awkwardness is not something that I experience very often. So I didn't consider this to potentially be awkward. And, you know, I could, you know, when you said the color green, I started thinking, well, how would I really talk about that? I mean, it just, I enjoy talking about things. So talking about something weird and uncomfortable, um, if anything, gets me excited. And, and I've, to this specific, this specific topic, I, you know, I have a personal relationship with it, right? Um, I've had deep discussions with my intelligent and beautiful wife about it. So, you know, so it was easy for me to come into it. But honestly, I think this is probably the most boring of the topics that you'll end up discussing. As an introduction, I think it's great, but but it's not like I think, I don't think a lot of people will disagree. I think people could disagree if you said perception is reality and then you get into this whole, you know, metaphysical debate about, you know, is life a simulation? But I think this goes in a different direction. And you, so I think a lot of people just will agree with this premise, right? And then the fun and meat of the discussion would be in subsequent ones where you start talking about, you know, really interesting things. And I think one of the interesting things to talk about would be, uh, you know, it's, but it's, it's talked about by a lot of people. So maybe it would be better to talk about something more, more, uh, less so talked about, I guess, in the case of gender and the idea of gender, I think that's a really hot button topic that can really get people emotion, emotions keyed up. But that whole idea oh, is a topic. Absolutely. In, in New York State alone, uh, you guys can now select gender X as uh, on your birth certificates. Sure. And so that idea, um, that's a really interesting one in this context. Um, I don't shy away from talking about anything. In fact, if we were to use the current political climate as one, it, when I go into a situation, and this was even at Thanksgiving, um, I'll be at my parents' house and, and my parents um, are, you know, they, they have, they're on one side of that topic. And so I will ask them why, why they, why they support or don't support Trump, like I won't even, I won't even give the what their what their side is, but let's just say, hey, what is your? Uh, give me the five reasons why, five good things that have come out of the, of the administration, if they were against it, and if they were for it, I would say give me five bad things that have happened, and and I I I raise that question with pretty much anybody who feels strongly, because I really want to understand. Uh, what it is that they're thinking and why. And and my expectation is they're going to give me rhetoric. And that's been, you know, I, I don't think anybody has been able to give me five concrete things that one can actually point to and put a finger on in either direction. It just ends up being rhetoric. And then I challenge them, well, that's just rhetoric. And then they have to go 
really do some research and really find things out, right? So absolutely, it, you know, I, there's a lot of topics that I think can be fun and interesting to talk about in this type of a podcast. And see, now you're hitting on the core of what I really want to talk about with people is I want to find people with very strong opinions and I want to understand how they got their opinion. You know, I might agree with an opinion, but I might not. And that's okay. But, and let's just say that there's a really extreme opinion that I don't agree with. Um, you know, what, I don't know what that would be at the moment, but I don't want to bring on a guest to argue with them. I want them to explain and I want to ask questions. For me and this podcast, it's about understanding how people are thinking and how they got to those conclusions. Um, I will publicly say that if somebody has a strong opinion about something that I disagree with or I find morally wrong, like um, let's say somebody likes to club baby seals on Sundays. Um, hey, there was something just recently about beheading a baby somethings somewhere. Yeah, just so, so you know. That's I, I'm, I just will state this for the record now. I'm not for clubbing baby anything, really. I, I mean, that just seems archaic and barbaric to me. Um, but if you believe that, then I'm not going to, I'm not one to judge you. I don't feel like I'm qualified to judge anybody. I'm not a judge. I don't play one on TV. I have opinions, but I also don't believe it's my role in life to judge somebody. I mean, if you're breaking a law, you're going to break the law, you're going to go to jail. But in the context of this podcast, it's I want to learn why you feel that or why somebody, not you personally, Clint, but the guest on the other end of the conversation has come to their conclusions. What, like you said, ask them the five questions. You know, I want to ask them the seven whys and really get down to a layer of understanding of how decisions are made what lenses did they filter their perceptions through which led to their reality? So thank you for bringing that up. That's a perfect example of what uh, ultimately I'm, I want to accomplish. You know, I personally have very few in that this, anybody who listens to this that knows me personally will probably object to the statement, but I have very few strongly held opinions. Um, so I think this 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 discussion becomes really interesting when you have someone who has a very strongly held opinion on something just like you said so let's use an example that will make people uncomfortable there's there are people that feel very strongly about um pedophilia in a way that goes against everything that I believe right so I'm mm -hmm. against pedophilia yep. right but there are people that are feel strong about it um there's like a whole thing these days um, out there on the internet where people are like, I don't, I, there's, there's a, there's a way of describing it where I have a, someone has an attraction to uh, a child and, but they don't act on it and they want some, you know, support for them being that way. Right. So there's a, a push by people like this. And I, I, this has been a long long going thing, even when I was in high school. So the age that I'm at at 40 years old is kind of like a micro, I say micro generation, but it's a very interesting 
uh, demographic because when I was a teenager, we didn't have the internet and cell phones. And then when I was in my early 20s, we had the internet and cell phones. And those, those things have drastically changed how we um, acquire view and um, uh, how we acquire information, the quick, uh, how we acquire um, facts and how quickly we can get them. So how we get them and how fast we get them. So uh, when I was in high school, I did a, my senior paper in, on, in my English class was about the internet. And I'd love to find that. It might be somewhere in my basement, but it's, uh, you know, I was fascinated by the idea of the internet. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things in that, in that term paper I remember specifically was this organization, um, NAMBLA, North American Man-Boy Love Association. So even back then there were, there were associations or people trying to promote their, um, their stance on a topic that makes people very uncomfortable. So, you know, that's an interesting you know, we're, we're talking about probably psychopaths or sociopaths, right? So do you, that might be too extreme of a conversation to have, but that's the, those are, that's an extreme example. And I like to look at extreme examples when I'm looking at something because that's where you push. Um, you can kind of find a fact in my opinion. So if that's the very extreme, then you start backing away from there to find a point where people are comfortable on listening to somebody who strongly has a strong opinion in a certain, in a certain way. Yes. Um, I probably won't want to talk about that with anybody from, uh, <laughs> uh, in, uh, what did you call it? Uh, I'm sure there's a, an acronym for it. Um, you know, I was just reading about it the other day. <laughs> um, I can only imagine what you're, I'm sorry, just have to segue here. What, after reading that, what your Facebook feed must look like for the ads. I mean. Oh, <laughs> or the suggestions of news yeah, stories by exactly. Google. Exactly. That's, yeah. uh, you have to be careful what you search out there. And that, that's, people have talked about that as well. And this also, I'm hoping to learn through the context of the conversation is people's news feeds are customized to them. So the extreme Republicans and the extreme Democrats whom I'm hoping to interview um, soon. And actually one of the next groups that I will be talking to is uh, hopefully a very conservative organization. And what people don't understand is like, as you search Google and Facebook cater to what you're searching, they give you more of what you already know and believe. And then that just fuels, um, that just fuels things further. It, it's, it's a confirmation bias, right? So that confirms, it, it confirms what you already biased towards. And that does not expose you to anything beyond what you already believe, which I think is causing a, the bigger divide, just talking politics, but yes. So I'm hoping to cover that topic coming up soon. Um, I have a friend who runs a conservative website and uh, I've asked him and his wife, they run it together to, to join me. And I'm hoping that they'll say yes soon. I'm not <laughs> going to give up, but I do want to talk to them. And I will say now that I'm in Texas, there is no short of that. So if they don't, I will probably find somebody else. Um, and, and, and I'm hoping I have, um, I'm hoping to find somebody who's an extreme democratic person as well, because I will just throw this out there. I am 
incredibly independent so much that I refused. I'm registered to vote and I believe that everybody should vote and I vote in every election. It's our duty. But I refuse to identify myself even as an independent because I feel that's been politicized. Co-opted by someone. Yes, exactly. Well, um, guess what? Here, this, this could be fun, Dave. I don't vote and I'm proud of not voting. And, you know, I, my kids both, um, you know, I encouraged them to make a decision and uh, I was proud that they decided not to vote. So, and I, that is a very unpopular, incredibly unpopular. So it's a strong opinion I have, but it's an incredibly unpopular one. All right. And one that I'm not afraid to share with people. Guess what we're talking about in the next conversation. I can't guess. We're going to talk about voting. Okay. That'll be beautiful. So we'll talk about that next. But, you know, right now to wrap up, I know it's been a while. You probably need to get going. And I appreciate your time. Um, again, I just wanted to lay the groundwork for all future listeners um, outside of, let's see. So I'm assuming once I post this podcast, we'll have four, four listeners. That will be me, you, Julie, and most likely my mom. Um, there you go. <laughs> and hopefully we'll grow the, the audience from there. But uh, I do want to thank you for coming on and helping me set the stage and talk about uh, how perception is one's reality. And uh, if, if I could ask a favor, prep Julie, because I really want to talk to her about this topic in particular and how it relates to relationships. Sure. And her views on that um, and how that's helped or hindered or how she would mentor somebody. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, that will be an upcoming conversation with the uh, beautiful wife of Clint Meyer, my guest today, Julie Meyer. She's not shy and she'll have a much better profile picture. So there's that. Well, you know, um, I wasn't going to go there, but uh, the, this is not a perception is reality thing. Um, she is prettier than you. I'm just going to say it. Out loud. Hey. She, she is prettier than you. Listen, I'll tell you this. You, I'm in an uncomfortable position because I think the ideally you would have, you would want to be in a relationship where you have the upper hand in that category. And I do not have the upper hand. So, Oh, uh, I can definitely confirm beyond a shadow of a doubt that I as well, am not in that category and have happily married up and I am proud to admit it. Yeah. It's one of the things I'd love to change, but never will. So. <laughs> you know what? We're born with a certain deck of cards and yeah. I think that you've been successful and with what you've accomplished with the cards that you've been dealt. Um, well, the way to solve my problem would be to um, find someone that's less than me rather than someone's more than me. So I don't want to, I don't want to improve how I look. I'm just saying <laughs> relative to where I am relative to where you are, you definitely want to have the upper hand in a relationship, but I've never yeah. known what that feels like. No. And, so. and, and, uh, as a wise man as you are, and you've proven on this conversation, you never will. And that's okay. Yep. Um, so thank you again, Clint, for your time. And yeah, no problem. Hopefully everybody enjoys this. Thanks all. all right. Talk to you all next time. Thank you.